You're listening to News Radio KMAN. Now back to the game with Mitch Fortner, David G, and Troy Coverdale. The game after work. We get rolling into the five o'clock hour. Troy Coverdale, Travion. Literally, it's just us. Yep. For the rest of the day. Friday, 5 o'clock, just like your workplace, everybody here has gone home. Right. <laughs> it's getting lonely. Uh, and, and it is, by the way, KMAN. It, you, you didn't inadvertently tune over to K-Rock like Mitch alluded to right. on his way out the door. So uh, <laughs> He was already out the door when he was in here. It happens. Trust me. The way I mumbled through the end of a show uh, yesterday morning. Yeah, anyway. We will let it go. All right, let's uh, let's celebrate the fact that we are headed for a weekend. No matter the fact that it's going to be downright hot tomorrow, make sure that the right guard is uh, in in uh, in your plans for tomorrow before you walk out the door. Just just be polite to everyone and spray up. Uh, yesterday, at about this time, actually, K State men's basketball coach Jerome Tang sat down and essentially had a post summer meeting with the media, talking through a number of the things that have taken place since he took the job as head coach. Of course, at the forefront of that, building a roster for this season coming up, getting workouts in while building that roster, and beginning then to work on recruiting for 2023. A big chunk of that recruiting for 2023 came over the last couple of months as you had the opportunity for uh, visits by coaches specifically to the varying events that were capped off just a couple of weeks ago by such things as the uh, Nike Peach Jam closing out the AAU circuit for the summer. Those things uh, having come and gone now, the calendar flipping over to August, and that means it's a quiet period and a time for a breather for Tang and his staff. And the coach took the chance yesterday to sit down and just look back a bit and answer some questions from the media. I remember talking on the catbacker circuit. Back then, you didn't quite know what these guys were going to be capable of yet. Now that you've seen them on the court, do you have a better idea? Yeah, uh, we got some super competitive guys who care about winning and uh, they, they, they care about each other. I'm excited about what we have and what's going to happen moving forward. Can you walk me through how you, uh, you know, stumbled upon some of the, the latest transfers you got, how, how you built relationships with them so quickly and what you like about them? Anyone in particular? Desi, maybe? Uh, man, Des, like he was just sitting there. A lot of people didn't realize that he could graduate. And, uh, you know, we did our homework on him and uh, knew that he graduated. We played against him in the Elite Eight game uh, when I was at Baylor to go to the final four and he he didn't shoot it well but he had like five assists that game he had the ability you know to get in the paint and make good plays i know he was a tough kid and he's a winner you know won two state championships went undefeated one season in the state of arkansas and so um i i have relationships in arkansas and so it was really easy to connect the dots on that one and he uh did he help you uh find out about baby too no, he's actually surprised about Bebe. Um, you know, somebody else actually called us about Bebe. I actually recruited one of Bebe's high school teammates. 
um, and they both lived in the same house, and so um, had some relationship with Bebe ahead of time. Okay. Um, what What do you think this team, this group, is capable of once you once you get them, you know, through through a full full camp and preseason? Man, I I I, I don't I can't predict what we're capable of, but uh, I I do know that we're going to play extremely hard. We're going to play together, and we're going to be fun to watch. It looks like you're a, a sugar with the medicine kind of guy. I've seen karaoke and Jenga and a water balloon fight. How important are those activities to kind of building a team cohesiveness? Oh man, that everything is is very intentional and very important. Everybody preaches family, and you know, family, you know, does a lot of things. And it's you know, if we only time we spend time together is in the gym, then we're not a family. And I, I want the guys to feel very comfortable around me and the whole staff and see us as human beings and understand that we love them and we care about them. And uh, when you spend that kind of time with them and you, you show your heart to them off the court, then um, it, you earn the right to hold them accountable on the court. And so, you know, they, 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 they never question whether we love them, right. That, that, that won't be a question. And, um, and, you know, maybe you have to give the message to, you said, the, you know, there's two parts to this. Some people, you have to give the message a different way. And the only way you can learn how to best communicate with your guys is to spend time with them. And, you know, that's been very important to our staff. And I mean, that's just, this is how I've always wanted to be, you know, I mean, the dinners at my house, dinners at the coach's house, games, playing really, really hard, working really, really hard but understanding that, you know, we're all in it together. You are continuing to recruit for 22 while recruiting for 23, while getting ready for vacation and everything else that goes into building a program. How loaded are you right now with stuff to do? Right now, the goal was to be 12 and two. We are at 11 and two right now. And so we got one more thing to get done. And and I've never looked more forward to a vacation than I am looking forward to, to this one. What are you going to do for vacation? Um, I, we're going to go see a Bruno Mars concert in Vegas, see my two older boys uh, that I adopted and their wives. And then uh, we're going to go to Cabo and spend a few days trying to put our feet in the water and put the phone down. And But still got a little more work to do before I head out of here. Yeah, I just was, was curious, now that you've had him in the gym for a while, any uh, any big surprises? Uh, Taj Manning has probably been the biggest surprise um, he is probably he, he is an extremely hard worker, and um, that 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 has like stood out. And I mean, just his competitiveness and toughness has, has stood out. And because he spends so much time in the gym, his his shot making ability is is growing. And in fact, he hit the the game winner on the last game today. Uh, rose up and knocked it down like a champ. And very, very proud of them. Were you able to assemble your coaching staff perfectly the way that you wanted? It seemed like you got all your first choices. I, I got the right guys. Sometimes the people that we think are our first choices or even the players we think are our first choices, um, when you look back on it in hindsight, they, 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 you know, they weren't the best choices. And I believe that I've got the best choices with me right now. And the most recent announcement was Rodney Perry. Just what does he provide to your program that you attracted you so much to him? Uh, he's, he's a winner. You know, he's a winner 
and he's a really good human being, right? I mean, just just a terrific man. And uh, he's the kind of guy that I would want my son to play for. And so I'm 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 ecstatic about him being here and looking forward to what he brings to the table. And as a first time head coach, what have you learned the most from your players so far in these few months that you've been on the job? From my players, mm, man, that is a that's a really good question. You know what I, I've learned? I, I'm learning that not everyone is as intentional as our staff is about spending quality time with guys and getting to know them away from the basketball court as we have been. And I've been surprised by how surprised they've been about it. With Mark Eason-ish, what's kind of the biggest step that you've seen them take on the court? Obviously, you got to see them play as as a junior and a sophomore last year but as far as basketball wise how have they elevated their game well for Keith it's his emotional intelligence and um, being able to control he's an extremely competitive kid and I love that about him um, but there are two two guys that can't have a bad day or or lose their minds and that's the head coach and the point guard and um, he is learning how to um, like lower it without redlining and that's and how to communicate with his teammates to get the most out of them and so so that's going to be real important for him for ish it's um working right like he thought he was a hard worker until i started laying out some things for him to do and he thanked me the other day he said coach you know i've never you know done any of the things that you're as that you've had and he and he said he thought he was a good a hard worker but he'd never done some of the things and so he was thankful for you know the push and for believing in him so and then what what have you liked best that you that you've seen out of Naquan Tomlin since he arrived Ooh. on campus man he is competitive and like he doesn't know how good he's, he can be and uh, but he is he is super competitive and really talented and man I, I look forward to just um fanning his confidence so that like I, I want him to feel like he's the best player in America because he you know I mean he's got that kind of a talent do you know what kind of style you want to play with this group just yet <laughs> uh no no not not yet not yet and um, I think when we finish assembling the ro roster, we're, we're going to guard you. We're going to guard and we're going to rebound. Other than that, I'm not real sure. Like if you're talking about the offensive end of things, uh, not real sure uh, about that yet. But we're going to defend and we're going to rebound. Okay. And uh, one more for you. I know this summer you said there were some things that surprised you about, you know, being a head coach for the first time. Um, you had to call Scott drew and talk about it a little bit. Do you feel more like a head coach now? Do you feel like you've got uh, more of a hang of it? Mm, you know, I, I feel like I got six head coaches on my staff and there are guys that I can like really bounce things off of. And so there, there's not a, I don't know what a head coach feels like. I understand that I have the responsibility. Like if we lose, it's my fault. I understand that. And so, and I'm, I'm keenly aware of that, but everything else, it's us moving together, doing it together. Kind of thing and I, and I like that I like that about these guys yeah coach just one more from me what kind of uh feedback have you gotten from off-season conditioning well we've had multiple guys who have gained 10 plus pounds of muscle which is what we we wanted to do as a focus um and the guys look good 
I mean, they they look they look good. They're stronger. They they're they're doing all the things, you know, that we want them to do. And and so I I, I feel good about what we've done these eight weeks. Hey, coach, I saw a picture on social media of you and Coach Kleiman maybe earlier today. I was just curious if maybe he had given you any wisdom now that he's been around for a couple of years and maybe what kind of a relationship you guys might have developed so far in your time in Manhattan. Man, I, I absolutely love Coach Kleiman. Coach Kleiman and Coach Rule are good friends. And I was a big fan of uh, Matt Rule and attended a lot of his practices. Coach Kleiman invited me uh to come to practice anytime i want to and i'm a big college football fan so i was able to be out there today and and watch some of it for a few minutes and uh coach has just been great about um you know just tell me anything that i needed he's willing to help me with comments from jerome tang k-state's new men's basketball coach uh, again speaking yesterday afternoon with the media in what essentially was an end of summer press conference an opportunity to sit down and talk through a number of things that were in play, given that it has been a hectic time taking over a program, trying to move, hiring a staff and replacing the vast majority of your roster for the coming season while recruiting for 2023 while you're at it. Uh, Thus, vacation is definitely well earned at this point for this staff including jerome tang it will be a good break for them and uh, hopefully a relaxing break because i tell you it's hard to believe but it is upon us mitch mentioned earlier soccer with that scrimmage tomorrow afternoon already getting the uh, schedule underway if you will for k-state athletics we are just 29 days away from the cats and South Dakota kicking off the college football season. And yes, the NFL got things going last night with the preseason. I think my Friday night will be watching a little CFL until I uh, until I call it a night. Dalton Schoen with a, uh, another touchdown grab last evening. How about that? The former Cat has seven receiving touchdowns. That's tops in the CFL. Yes, the Canuck League is still going strong at this point coming back talk a little about last night in kansas city eric hosmer made his return to kc for the first time since 2017 the royals get the win over the red Sox, but it wasn't without controversy as well we'll talk about that coming back on the game Radio KMAN. The game continues just over an hour away from coverage of the Royals and Red Sox tonight. Getting underway, 7-10, the first pitch this evening at Kauffman Stadium. Last night marked the first time since 2017 that Eric Hosmer has been back in Kauffman Stadium. First time in five seasons after leaving, of course, as a free agent. And signing with the Padres, of course, traded to the Red Sox this week after originally being proposed to be part of the deal that landed Juan Soto in San Diego and sent a plethora of players back to D.C. Hosmer, because of his service time in the league, has approximately or had approximately 19 teams that he was okay in going to 
No, the Nationals were not one of them. He declined that trade. He had the option to do that, but it forced the Padres then to look for another deal. They sent him to the Red Sox, who have been in need of a first baseman really all season. Hosmer got a nice round of applause when he came up the first time last night. Hustling back to first, Rafael Devers, and now Eric Hosmer. Are the fans happy to see Hosmer back? You decide. tipping his batting helmet to the fans. Perez stepping aside so that Hosmer can have the spotlight for the moment. Eric back at Kauffman Stadium for the first time since the end of the 2017 season. And he would wind up flying out to center field in his first at-bat in a Red Sox uniform and that first at-bat back in Kansas City since 2017. A bit of controversy late in the ball game last night after the Red Sox got it tied in the top of the seventh, Kansas City able to push across a run to go on top by a 4-3 mark as Bobby Witt Jr. drove in a run and then it was... Salvador Perez with this line drive that opened the game up. And Salvi is really taking his time getting in the box, almost like he is anticipating Alex Cora bouncing out, but he will not. Salvi will get to face Hernandez with two on, nobody out, 4-3 Royals, bottom of the seventh inning. And the pitch. Swing and a line drive up the left field line. It is a fair ball off the top of the wall, and it rolls up along the left field warning track. And they're going to call it a home run just above the railing off the foul pole. And Salvador Perez can slow down and cruise around the bases with a three-run home run. And the Royals have taken a 7-3 lead in the bottom of the seventh. The Red Sox would request a review, and Alex Cora's comments, the manager of the Red Sox uh, after the game, were pretty valid. I will give him this. That got out in 3.2 seconds. That's absurd. <laughs> and, and that really does amount to a valid point. And Cora asked for the review. New York came back, said it remained a home run, and Cora continued the argument and was tossed from the game. Why? Well, the rule is very clear. It states that you as a manager cannot come out and argue after a replay review. It's an automatic ejection. So Alex Cora was done. However, Cora told the media this afternoon that he got a phone call from New York today. Oopsie. We screwed up. Essentially was the gist of the phone call. Said that they missed the call on the home run. Nonetheless, even at that point, Kansas City had two on. You factor in that 
they're already on top by a run at 4-3. So two on, that's a sure double for Salvi at that point, likely to drive in two more, make it 6-3. The only difference was that one run. The Royals win by the final of 7-3 as opposed to 6-3, and the only people that are truly upset at the end of the night are the betters in Vegas. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to when it's done. Uh, but, you know, you, you understand the frustration on the part of Alex Cora, and it gets right back into the ongoing issues that surround umpiring. And unfortunately for the game, even, yes, instant replay showing itself to be uh, fallible. And we continue to talk about robot umps being the next thing on the docket. The low minors continuing to toy, and even I know what AAA is in, in some cases working this year with the tech system that calls balls and strikes. Dual camera setup, at least I think maybe three camera if it really works out. That it literally has to be run by someone else in the in the press box. You've just added more game ops guys to the mix to to run this thing and get signals, of course, then to the home plate umpire to relay to everybody else what the ball or strike call is. It will be interesting to see if it gets play next year in spring training. The thing that stands out to me about that discussion is what happened this year with uh, the new tech system that they're utilizing uh, for pitcher-catcher communications. Essentially, the touchpad that the catchers use, either placing it on their wrist or some have gone to putting it on their knees, uh, where they punch in what they're wanting the pitch to be, and the pitcher has the earpiece on, that relays then the verbal command of what that pitch is being called by the catcher. And the reason that that came to fruition already this year was they had success with it in the minors last year. They tried it at spring training and very quickly into the trial at spring training, pitchers and catchers liked it. They thought that that was a pretty good idea. They thought that it was an easy system to get to utilize, and they've found that actually, and, and think about this for a moment. How many times have you really heard this year anybody talk about that they've had to make an adjustment because the system hasn't worked? If they have, it's just for a matter of seconds, and the pitcher and catcher get, their, get themselves back into the old style of doing things, or at least double-check, get the tech ready to go again, and continue. It's been a very quick thing. It's not been something that has prompted a 10-minute pause at any point of a game. That's where technology is working in the game, and that is a good thing. Pitch clock's going to be real interesting next year when they bring that bad boy in. Speaking of the pitch clock, did you know the NBC World Series is underway in Hutchinson and Wichita this weekend? Just a reminder, it, it has lost the luster that it held over the years. And that's disappointing to me as someone who called games at Lawrence Dumont back 20 years ago plus. But still, it still holds a spot in my heart anyway, and I know it does for a number of Kansans 
because that tournament always was so much fun. Coming back, our song of the day for this Friday. Plus, we'll close things out. Travion will uh, have the AMAs, the Ask Me Anything, coming up at the uh, tail end here as well on the game. I honestly can't hear this song without my mind immediately conjuring up the images of dusty cowboy boots moving to the beat. Really? Footloose. Yeah. It's the scene in it's Footloose. It's them in the barn, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's the one where he's training, where he's training his buddy. Right. We'll get into that in a moment. <laughs> Two weeks in 1984. Denise Williams and Let's Hear It for the Boy. The singer, songwriter, record producer hailed from Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana. Oh, sorry. Yes, I've seen the music man a few too many times. Where the Jacksons are from. Also where the Jacksons are from. You had that reference and I got the music man. That should tell you something right there. (laughs) Denise Williams initially began her post-high school days as a student at Morgan State in Baltimore, one of the HBCUs. She wanted to become a registered nurse, but dropped out after a year and a half. As she put it, you have to be a good student to be in college, and I wasn't. She'd al- yeah, she'd already been singing part-time at the Casino Royal Club. So, what do you do if singing becomes your full-time gig? In this case, she became a backup vocalist for Stevie Wonder as part of the backing group Wonder Love. This part of... The middle part of her career, which will surprise most of us, because for many of us, this was really the, the first big song that any of us knew her from. 17 studio albums all time. That's insane. Four top 40s. Let's Hear It For The Boy is her eighth album of the 17. Wow. Yeah, like I said. <laughs> It, it it catches you momentarily because you don't think of her having that long-lasting of a career, that depth of an album career, but yet four top 40 hits of those 17 studio albums. This was the second of her two number ones. Williams described, by the way, as one of the great soul voices by the BBC. So, in the film, the song used in the scene where Kevin Bacon tries to teach Christopher Penn how to dance and Penn is having a hard time. As I said, cowboy boots. Right off the top of it. A different song was originally used for the scene. It was called Somebody's Eyes. It was written in a minor key. But 
the movie's director, Herbert Ross, felt that the song wasn't working with the scene as production was ongoing. So the songwriters came up with another idea. This time they went for the uplifting song with the girl singing about a wonderful boyfriend, even though he's far from perfect. When they came up with the line, let's hear it for the boy, they wrote the song around the title. Nice. Once the song was written, she was asked to record it, loved it, loved the story idea that was behind it for Footloose anyway. And, oh, by the way, since it was Gary, Indiana, where she grew up, there, of course, was a religious environment somewhat similar to the one described in Footloose. Right. The song went on to be nominated for Best Original Song at the Academy Awards that year, but, oh, gee, imagine that. Lost to Stevie Wonder. I just called to say I love you from the woman in red. Irony. <laughs> Jana Kramer, whose acting credits include Friday Night Lights at One Tree Hill, has had an erstwhile country career as well as spending time in those nationwide ads where she essentially was the leather-clad ninja. I do not recall. That's how I remember Jana Kramer. That's going to get me in trouble, I know. But uh, she sang the updated version of this song for the 2011 remake where Julianne Huff was involved in it. It never went over, by the way, very well. Yeah. (laughs) This song was the second single from the uh, Footloose soundtrack following, of course... Kenny Loggins title track the song Footloose came out a few weeks before the movie was released the video got lots of airplay on MTV built up a great deal of anticipation for the movie let's hear it for the boy benefited from that exposure like the title track it went to number one in America second of her two number ones though Meaning that for the remainder of her career, she's kind of been on the just edge, if you will, of the top 40. A little bit here, a little bit there. But in 1984, you could not go anywhere without, by the way, the Footloose soundtrack being involved. It's one of the best-selling albums ever. It's just way too dang catchy on top of everything else. I mean, if you listen to Footloose and you listen to this song... And you go through that soundtrack, and it just was way too catchy. And the movie carried quite a bit of it as well, because the movie caught everybody's attention. Right. And the 80s was just that time, like, the soundtracks were just as crucial as the movies at that point, especially with MTV and stuff. Yes, absolutely. What a media change we went through in the 80s, honestly. With the start-up of MTV, movies began to uh, build on what started with Jaws. Right. The, the summer blockbuster trend got started with Jaws, and it continued with Star Wars, and it built into the 80s, and so you expected every summer that you would have the huge blockbuster movies during the course of the summer. 
yeah, really changed a lot of how entertainment was handled in terms of releases, in terms of timing, in terms of marketing. And Footloose was a big part of that. Absolutely. It's a great point. All right, coming back. He's going to ask me anything as we head for 6 o'clock on the game. Closing out a Friday edition of the game. Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland. All right, hit me. What you got? All right. You have to excuse me because, like, I'm running on fumes today. For folks <laughs> who don't know, and, and I'm exceptionally understanding because other than my wife, Travion's the first person I see in the morning currently. <laughs> and it's because I'm getting my caffeine from a certain convenience store right and he's worked the overnight shift every and, single day this week oh, <laughs> and is closing things out as i come traipsing in in the morning so uh, yeah i i hear you brother i right. hear you all right so when you were a kid what did you want to be when you grew up <laughs> other than what you are currently doing but we're meaning like you know when you're four or five you know what was oh, you like oh geez. i want to be like you know you know, four or five, I, boy, that, I do not remember really a hardcore decision at that time that I would have gone with. I probably leaned more towards wanting to make sure that it involved riding horses. Right. Um, you wanted to be a cowboy. Yeah, I did. And there are a lot of pictures from over the years of me riding Calico, specifically one of the horses we owned. Nice. Um, it wasn't. It, it was up until maybe about three years ago that we had horses on the property the whole time. Oh, really? Cool. So that that tells you the household I grew up in. Right. You know, we had we had our twenty acres, but always had horses, and participated in the small town rodeo stuff. Never got myself on the back of a bull. Right. <laughs> bulls I was are too scary. smart for that. What's that? I said bulls are scary. Bulls are scary. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> uh, the Saddle Club didn't fool around with them, right. honestly. I mean, it wasn't a part of what we were doing for rodeos and, and events. It was more family oriented. Sure. And, and bull riding is, is an entirely different event for small rodeos to have to deal with. When you start looking at the medical costs as well as the extra cost for getting the bulls in uh, and and manpower and everything involved for that, yeah, it, it gets expensive real quick. Right. When I was like four or five, I just wanted to be a wiggle in the wiggles. That's all I wanted to be. I wanted to be the blue wiggle that played the drums and hung out with, you know, dogs and sure. octopuses. And sure, sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just wanted to entertain, I guess, to some sort of degree. There you go. Makes perfect sense. Right? Okay, is a hot dog a sandwich? Oh, boy. No, <laughs> a hot dog is not a sandwich. But, I mean, if you think about it, it's, you know, it's bread. It's got meat in between. You put some stuff on it. I think maybe we need to qualify 
the the point about meat in between because let's be honest it's encased meats maybe that's where the definition needs to be a sandwich is not encased meats right it's a way of looking at it i get you i don't know keeping in mind mcdonald's had the disaster of an attempt to make essentially a round hot dog a round hot dog <laughs> yes huh to sell them like their burgers that's strange. So that they wouldn't need different buns. <laughs> it failed immensely. Go figure. Right. <laughs> hey, folks, have a great weekend. Take care of yourselves. Stay cool. The game back at it on Monday at 4.